to the main event. Totally random. Totally random sports show. Here's your host, Sean Lincoln. Y'all ready for this? Hello and welcome back. This is episode 4 of the Totally Random Sports Show. Lots to get to today. Have a good show, I think. Uh, I'm going to start with CFL like we always do. going to run down the day in the NFL. We also have uh, the Ryder Cup was this weekend. A little bit of NBA we're going to talk about. A little bit of NHL. Season there is ready to start. And we're going to go through and preview the MLB playoffs. Also, if we have time, we're going to get to a little bit of talk about fans and the difference between good and bad fans. But first, like always, let's go to the week in the CFL. So now, with 34 seconds left, Paul McCallum will come out. Paul McCallum with a dagger right there. And another close one. So that was the end of the game Saturday night between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the BC Lions. BC coming out on top, 16-14. to Starting, uh, Winnipeg brought in Jonathan Hefney. He got signed this week and also marked the return of TJ Jeffers-Harris. So you looked like... The Bombers were in good shape, you know, good DB. Um, Adarius Bowman did not play, didn't even make the trip with Winnipeg, so rough for him, but after the the way he's been playing this year, you can't really be that surprised. Winnipeg jumped out not too bad at the start of this game. They were up 10 nothing, not too long into it. Edwards scored their first touchdown on a huge catch and run, and the Winnipeg defense looked great in the first half. Again, shutting down an offense completely. Gave up no points in the first half. So another great day for the Winnipeg defense until the second half rolled around. And, uh, you know, BC made a little bit of a comeback. They s- Lule scored a nice run play. Beautiful hurdle. Just jumping, throwing himself into the end zone. Putting his body at risk, but really exciting play to watch. Both touchdowns in this game came off turnovers. Uh, there wasn't too many of them, but as you can see, both teams made the other team pay. Came down to just under 10 minutes left. Justin Pilardi misses a short field goal. Obviously would have been the difference, so not good. And he made his next one barely, which put Winnipeg up 14-13. And then BC drove the field, and as you heard, Paul McCallum nails a field goal. Gave Winnipeg about 10 seconds left, but they weren't able to do anything. It's their sixth loss this year by seven points or less, which, you know, it's just heartbreaking. As much for the team as I'm sure it is for the fans, it's got to just be nearly impossible to keep going through this and losing. They're playing, you know, it's hard to say what's wrong with this Winnipeg team. They're a good team when you look at them on paper. And even when you look at their, like, the scores this year, they've been in every game, mostly every game, with all the good teams. So... 
this is their second week in a row they basically lose on the last play and it's getting harder and harder but uh you know there's the rematch back in Winnipeg BC comes back to Winnipeg next week and they'll have the rematch at Canada Stadium should be a good game I've been impressed with the continued support of Paul Apolise in Winnipeg last year it would it was after like four or five games that people were calling for Mike Kelly's head. I know a little bit of a difference because, you know, he was an asshole. But I think people believe in the system and the players that Coach Lapolis has in here. And they're giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know. I think most people have sort of come to terms that this year we're not going to the playoffs. But most people think, and I'm one of them, that we have a good core here and we have a good shot to make a run at this thing next year or, you know, do something. So I'm glad to see that. I'm sure Lapo would appreciate that, but he's doing a good job, I think, and he's great with the media and the fans, which is something we couldn't say for the coach last year, of course, but you got to give him credit. He's he's doing, I don't want to say he's doing a good job because they're still losing, but it looks like he's done a good job with that team. So you give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, moving on. Saskatchewan beat Toronto 27-16. This, it wasn't a bad game. This is what stood out for me in this game. Saskatchewan has the best, the best receiving core in the league. Andy Fantuz, Preche Rodriguez, Rob Begg, Weston Dressler, Jason Claremont. They have West Cates, Chris Zarka, both catching passes out of the backfield. They are unreal. These guys just go out and make plays. And Darian Durant is a good enough quarterback that he lets these guys make plays. And that's there's no one in the game today in the CFL that can come close to this receiving core. They are terrific. Every team seems to have one or two, you know, stars. You got Edwards in Winnipeg. Hamilton has uh, Bruce. Montreal has Cahoon. You know, they all have good receivers, and they have good backup receivers. But Saskatchewan just from 1 to 5 are just unreal and they all make plays and that's why I think this team every week is in the game because any one of those guys can make a big play and you saw Andy Fantuz made a big one this week and you know they're just really unbelievably good and you got to give it up to the coaches and the managers there who put that you know group together cuz they are just terrific if they can pull it together, you know, defensively, and Durant can stop turning the ball over. This team has a good shot this year. Calgary beats Montreal 46-21. This is a battle of the two first-place teams. They were tied for first in the CFL. And Calgary just kills Montreal 46-21. Like I said, just a statement game for Calgary. They beat Montreal on every facet of the game. Henry Burris was unreal, just throwing at will. And uh, the defense kept Calvillo in check for most of the game. But this is a big game for Calgary. They just show really show their dominance. Montreal looks a little shaky now. Got killed by Calgary. Just about lost to Winnipeg last week. You know, you're almost wondering what's going on there. But hopefully they can make a good comeback next week. Edmonton-Hamilton, I think, was the best game this week. Edmonton ended up com- coming out on top 37-35. Uh, it's really back and forth game. Ricky Ray threw for 384 and two TDs. 181 of that. Yards went to Fred Stamps, who caught 10 passes. He also had a TD. The, this was the best play of this game. Hamilton punting, Jamal Johnson on the Hamilton special teams, 
was pushed. I don't know if he was pushed or he purposely ran out of bounds. I thought he was pushed. But either way, he went out of bounds, stayed out of bounds, ran behind the bench, seemed to be hiding behind the players. He came out past all the players and made a huge tackle on Tristan Jackson. And it was a big tackle. It really was a hard tackle. He did get a penalty, and I think so. That's kind of ridiculous. But it was a funny play to kind of watch. Hamilton had a chance to tie this game. They needed a two-point conversion right near the end. And uh, Glenn just threw a terrible ball over through his receiver by a ton, and it went sailed way out of bounds. Didn't even give everyone a chance at it. So second week in a row, Glenn's kind of had the ball the end of the game on his line and thrown it away. Got picked, of course, last week. But it's disappointing for Hamilton fans that, to come that close, and Glenn makes a play like that. But uh, enough of CFL this week. We're going to move on to week four. So far, yeah. Week four in NFL football. Exciting week in the NFL. Uh, Lots of games. Lots of games that at first seemed easy to pick that ended up being a little bit harder and a lot of close games. So we'll start uh, Chicago, New York. And uh, this was the Sunday nighter. New York came out on top 17-3, and Chicago's offense just looked terrible. They got 22 yards in the first half. That's it. 23 in the first quarter, minus one in the second quarter. Just embarrassing for a Chicago offense. Uh, Jake Cutler, Chicago's quarterback, was hurt. Gave uh, gave way to Kerry Collins, who couldn't do anything. And uh, even the third string came in for a while in the fourth quarter. But uh, Chicago finished with only 52 passing yards. Uh, There's two interceptions, three fumbles. And the New York defense sacked Chicago quarterbacks ten times. Ten. I don't, I don't know what the record is. That's got to be close. That is unbelievable. Ten sacks, one game. Like usual, both teams, Chicago, you know, was trying to prove that they were as good as their record. They were 3-0 three, three and o coming in. They wanted to show that, you know, it's not just teams playing bad against them or anything. They're a good team, but they definitely didn't do that today. Their defense played fine. Their defense looked good like a normal Chicago defense, but Lovey Smith, Chicago's coach, really has to figure out how to fix this offense. On the other side, it's a good bounce back for New York after their loss last week. They look good. Their offense, or their defense looked terrific, sorry. Their offense looked fine. That's the important part of that game. Jay Cutler was diagnosed with a concussion, so you never know how long he could be out. Uh, concussions are always sort of scary in the NFL, and uh, you know, they're going to have to figure something out because you don't expect him to be back quick. Hopefully they don't hurry him back because with concussions it just gets worse and worse. So hopefully Jay Cutler will be on the bench for a few weeks and Chicago's going to have to figure out something else for their offense. Uh, Washington beat Philly 17-12. A little surprising, but McNabb gets the win coming back to his old stomping grounds. Uh, He got a nice reception when he came out. Philly fans gave him a good cheer. Why wouldn't you, you know? He got traded. It's not like he wanted to leave. He went 8 for 19 for 125. Nothing special. The story of this game was Michael Vick. You know, he's been so good the last few weeks 
was playing pretty good, but at the end of the first quarter, he left with an apparent rib injury. He would not return. Um, he's going to have an MRI Monday. So uh, Kevin Cobb stepped in and played terrible. It was his chance, you know, to sort of earn that first spot back. If he would have played good, come out, beat Washington, I think he could have had his starting role back, but that's not at all what he did. And apparently, um, if Michael Vick's injury will keep him out long-term, Philadelphia is looking at Jeff Garcia, who is playing in the UFL right now. So, you know, old vet coming back to play in place of Michael Vick. They're not even looking at Kevin Cobb, I guess. Tough for him. He went from starter to nothing in a couple weeks. But I guess that's what happened. And Vick, who's been so good, it's hard to see him go out for Philadelphia fans. You hope he's okay. He did walk off on his own on his own legs, though, but never know how hurt he was up inside. He was uh, making a run, tried to dive in at the goal line, and just got sandwiched by two Washington players. So a little scary there. Ah, two stories in a row of quarterbacks getting hurt. That's not good. Next game, Baltimore 17, Pittsburgh 14. Uh, Joe Flacco looked really good in this game. Even though I know he only put up 17 points, but he looked good. He was hitting his target. He's really showing, you know, Baltimore and his team that he can lead them when they when he has to. That his last drive was terrific. I think he went four for four on the last drive. Just no problem marching it to the end zone. T.J. Hushmanzada got a nice catch, and that put Baltimore on top. Jeff Reed missed two field goals for Pittsburgh, and they, they really hurt the Steelers. Six points off the board, that's a win if they would have put those in. So, yeah, not good if you're a Pittsburgh fan, and, you know, you got to figure out the kicking situation. It's always a revolving door for kickers in the NFL. You're either making them or you're not, and if you're not, you're probably not going to have a job too long. But from bad kickers to great kickers, Jacksonville 31, Indy 28. Josh Scobie hit a 59-yard field goal with no time on the clock to win the game for Jacksonville. Unreal kick. And he had a lot of, he had leg on that, too. That could have been back five more yards. So very impressive there. Um, Jacksonville shows that they can play. Indy has two division losses now, and both these teams are tied at 2-2 two and two in the division. So Jacksonville's right in the thick of it. No one expected that. And Indy, no one expected Indy to have two losses either. And just a quick note, uh, Peyton Manning threw for 352, and he passes John Elway for third all-time in pass yards. So congratulations there. New Orleans, Carolina. Carolina gave New Orleans all they can handle, but they pushed through it. They win 16-14. New Orleans, you know, hasn't looked anything special this year. But they're finding ways to win. And I guess that's your mark of a great team. Reggie Bush and Pierre Thomas were not in the lineup. So that hurts New Orleans. But you think Drew Brees could do it. Um, John Carney was brought in. As I just said, kickers. John Carney brought in to replace their kicker. And he returns with a field goal with under four minutes left for the winner. So John Carney's back and he gets the field goal to win it. So good for him. Uh, let's run down some other scores. Cleveland 23, Cincinnati 20. Terrell Owens had a great day, over 200 yards. Good to see that. And he also passes Isaac Bruce for second on the all-time receiving yards. So congratulations, Terrell Owens. He's been around for a long time and still catching balls, still playing well. So good for him. Green Bay squeaked out a win over Detroit 28-26. Uh, the New York Jets 
walked all over Buffalo 38-14. This Buffalo team started the year, that's four weeks ago, or I guess three weeks ago, because this happened early in the week, with Trent, Trent Edwards as their starting quarterback. He's been He was released early this week. How badly is this team run? Like, I understand not a starter, but if you brought him in to be your starter and you're releasing him after week three, that's just awful. Somebody in Buffalo really has to figure it out, or they're not... They've been a bad team for years now, and they're just going to get worse. So they have to figure that out. Um, also for the Jets, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson had a good day. He went over 100 yards rushing. He's on pace for over 1,000 yards. Good for him. He's making a comeback this year. As long as the Jets keep feeding him the ball, if he keeps playing how he's playing, he's going to easily get there. So good for him. Denver beat Tennessee 26-20. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. St. Louis destroyed Seattle 20-3. Houston comes out on top 31-24 over Oakland. San Diego 41, Arizona 10. And Atlanta edges San Francisco 16-14. A couple other stories this week in the NFL. Bill Polian, the Colts owner, stated this week that the debate about the 18-game schedule is over. And you will see 18-game regular season schedules in the NFL in the very near future. So, good for NFL teams. Um, a lot of people saying not good for players. They, you know, more games, more injuries. I think what will end up happening, you'll have to cut one of those preseason games. Four preseason games is way too many anyways. I like the 18-game schedule. The CFL does it. I know they're not quite as, you know, big injuries don't happen quite as much. But 18-game schedule is exciting. And the NFL makes so much money. Why not? This is just two extra weeks of NFL TV that everyone can watch. And it's just going to be ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, here's a story. Kasim Osgood of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's a receiver, was in his house this week with a woman, and her ex-boyfriend broke into the house with a bag over his head, showing you how smart he is to have a plastic bag over his head. Breaks into their house with a gun and starts screaming at them. Kasim Osgood ends up being pistol-whipped, and the boyfriend chases... Osgood and his woman all over the house. Eventually, Kasim Osgood locks himself in a room and jumps out a second-story window. He jumped out of a second-story window. And, you know, I imagine it like the movies. He just jumps through the glass, falling. But I'm sure, you know, it was one of those hang-and-let-go hang and jumps. But still, pretty impressive at a crazy situation. It has to be scary. But, you know, no one was hurt, so it ends up kind of a funny story. Anyways, that's all I got for NFL this week. I'm going to move on just quickly to the Ryder Cup. A few quick news things I'll go through here. The Ryder Cup was this week. Uh, by the time you listen to it, it should be over. Europe is ahead 9.5 to 6.5. They took five and a half points out of six on Sunday. They need. They only need to win five of the 12 single matches on Monday. Um, this is the first time in Ryder Cup history that the tournament has finished on Monday. They've never finished late before. Um, that's, of course, due to the rain, which caused a huge story to Team U.S., whose raincoats didn't work. I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, a raincoat has one job you know, to stop rain, and they could not do that. So just a bad omen early for the U.S. team, and it doesn't look like they're going to win this year again. Tiger Woods, I have to touch on. I haven't touched on it much, I know, but uh, Tiger Woods has played 
you know, pretty good. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great. But, boy, did he ever get attacked at the press conference. And uh, good for Phil Mickelson. Sort of stood up for him if you saw that. You know, Tiger Woods, he knows he's made a mistake. And he's trying to come back. He's trying to, you know, get his life back to where it was. I know he did whatever terrible things, blah, blah. But leave this guy alone. Like, you can't just keep attacking him every tournament he plays in. That's it for that. Uh, NBA preseason starting this week. It's getting close. I've gone four weeks without talking about him. I'm going to have to talk about him now. The Miami Heat. Boy, am I ever excited to watch this team. Um, They had a practice on NBA TV that was showing Friday. Pretty interesting. You never see that. But with this team, I guess... They've raised the excitement, and it's true. I've never been this excited to watch NBA, and I cannot wait to watch this heat, this Heat team play. Uh, LeBron, Bosch, and uh, Wade are just going to be unreal. I'm hoping, anyways. And you know, they'll all the predictions are going crazy. You know, they're going to break the wins record. I could see it. Championships the next three years, and honestly, it's possible. They have a great, great team. But uh, they open their preseason Tuesday against Detroit. And the Toronto Raptors open Wednesday against the Suns. So NBA coming up on us hard. Speaking of coming up on us, NHL season starts Thursday. Very excited. It's opening in Helsinki this year with Carolina and Minnesota. So that'll be on at, uh, uh, it'll be early during the day. Something to watch for people at school. Very excited for the NHL season. Uh, there's been some interesting stories this week. Um, Jonathan Chichu was released. Brendan Morrison from Vancouver was released. Wade Redden was cut, sent to Hartford. New York got rid of him. He's got a big contract, but still. Martin Gerber was put on waivers for Edmonton. Sheldon Sure was put on waivers for Edmonton. So a lot of big names in the, in the NHL not making not making teams or, you know, being sent down, which is really surprising. You'd think teams could work something out. A player like Wade Redden, who's sent to Hartford, you know, there's tons of NHL teams that I think would still take Wade Redden. He's a great defenseman. Same with Sheldon Sure. I know he's got a huge contract, and people say he's really bad in the dressing room, but he's a terrific defenseman, and you got th- he led the Oilers team in goals two years ago. You've got to think somewhere they could find a spot for him, but I guess not. Uh, Brendan Morrison should find a place... He should land on his feet, find somewhere to play. Uh, Jonathan Chichi, I don't know. It's going to be tough for him. Um, Darcy Tucker announced his retirement this year. Um, the longtime Toronto Maple Leaf played his last few years with Colorado, but uh, did, didn't wasn't re-signed there this year and wasn't signed anywhere, and he retired. So Darcy was always a player I liked. He's in your face, you know. Always playing on the edge. Obviously crossed it a few times. But I liked Darcy Tucker. He was fun to watch. And, you know, one of those guys you probably hate to play against him, love to play with. He just seemed like, you know, that kind of player. And also we're, I want to touch on the, the revolving Carey Price story. This thing never seems to end. But uh, the Habs lost 5-3. On Wednesday, with Alex Aldenet, gave up a couple weak goals, and the fans were actually chanting for Carey Price again. So, you know, Montreal, I think they just want someone to 
to tend their net, but come on, give somebody a break. You know, you can't boo a guy one night and then chant for him the next night. So hopefully Carey Price can be all right. Uh, a couple more Montreal stories. Uh, Brian Gionta debuted as captain, got a huge uh, ovation from the Montreal faithful, which is good to see. I think he'll be a good captain like we talked about last week. Also, uh, Mike Camilleri against the New York Islanders got a game misconduct for slashing uh, Nito Niederreiter of the New York Islanders. This was just a nasty two-handed slash in the back of the leg. And he is facing uh, other punishment. He has a conference call with the league uh, early this week. Good to see that because that, you just can't have those kind of slashes going on in the game today. It's a little bit ridiculous. Montreal, it was kind of odd seeing their players kind of saying, oh, it's good to see it from Campbell Good to see a little fire. You don't want to see two-handed slashes in the back leg ever. So maybe they did make a good decision choosing Giant over Camilleri for captain because, you know, just not not a good veteran move for Michael Camilleri. That's it for NHL. Let's move on to MLB quickly. Um, Cito Gaston officially had his last game yesterday. He retires with a record of 913 wins and 851 losses. Two World Series championships, both with Toronto. He was honored at the Jays' last home game. All players wore fake mustaches, which was kind of funny. They painted on fake mustaches. Travis Schneider late led off the game with a ho- or led off the home half of the game with a home run with his mustache on. So funny to see that. Cito Gaston has been a great get- great manager. He's always been well respected in Toronto, and uh, tough to see him go. He also got a good send off. In uh, Minnesota yesterday with uh, Orlando Hudson and a couple other former Blue Jays coming to honor him before the game. So good for him. Jose Bautista, you guys can't not talk about his final numbers. 54 home runs, including one to right field against the Twins. Now, why do I mention that? That's his first home run to opposite field. He's hit every home run this year. 53 out of 54 home runs to left field. His last home run of the year? belts it to right field. Why not? And uh, he also got his 100th walk in that final series with Minnesota. So, a good asset. Hopefully the Jays can hold on to him and uh, keep it going. They'll finish 85-77 and 77 this year. Not a terrible record, you know. Pretty decent, actually. That division is so tough. You honestly wonder if the Jays will ever make the playoffs. You know, the Yankees with their payroll will never be bad. You know, they'll have years where they're not as good. But they will never have a bad year. And same with Boston. And Tampa Bay is really coming along lately. They make good draft picks and they have good young players all the time. So really bad for Toronto. Like they just seems to never have a shot in that division. With only one team making it from each division. Sometimes two with the wild card. It's not the greatest system, but I guess that's the way they do it. They've been doing it a long time and MLB doesn't really find the need to change it. So it's a... It's a sport where it's hard to change things like that that have been going on for years. They're very a more historic sport. So what are you going to do if you're Toronto? you got to keep plugging away, build that team up, and hopefully you know, in the next few years they can figure it out. Next up, I want to do a little bit of a rundown, maybe a slight preview of the MLB playoffs. Don't bet on what I say. I'm not a baseball expert, but I'll give it my best shot here. Took to the Giants the last day, but they beat the Padres 3-0 last night to clinch their spot which also gave the Braves a win-and-you're-in situation, and they beat Philly 8-7. So the Padres, who totally fell apart near the end of the year, they led their division 
almost the entire year. And they are not going to be in the playoffs. So the first series, you're going to see uh, Braves Giants. I believe it's set to start Thursday. I think the Giants, they might have a slight edge. They have Tim Lincecum, uh, Jonathan Sanchez, and Matt Kane all in their starting rotation. They have a good starting rotation. You know, the Braves have Tim Hudson and Derek Lowe to counter, but really their pitching staff is not quite as good. And with missing their only play... I think one of their only playoff-tested vets in Chipper Jones, who was out went out for the year a few months ago. Not good for the Braves. And although Bobby Cox will make the playoffs in his last year, I don't think they'll go far. I say the Giants have a pretty easy go of it in this first series. Um, the other National League series are the Cincinnati Reds against the Philadelphia Phillies. As much as you know, you want to cheer for the Reds with Joey Votto. Joey Votto is a lot of what they all they have. This series will start Wednesday with Roy Halladay making his playoff debut against Edison Volquez of the Cincinnati Reds. The Phillies pitching staff is just too good. Roy Halladay, Cole Hamels, Roy Oswalt all have won either a Cy Young or an MVP. Strong batting lineup, been there before. You know they've they geek the playoffs every year. They won a couple years ago. Ryan Howard for the Phillies is playing some of the better football he's been playing for a long time. And I just don't see anyone in the National League stopping the Phillies. I think they walk to the World Series. Uh, they're just a really good team from top to bottom. The Yankees lost on the last day of the regular season. Tampa Bay wins, so Tampa Bay will take the AL East. And, you know, the uh, Tampa Bay wins the AL East and takes home field advantage. Not that it really matters, as we'll talk about later. Tampa Bay will face Texas. That starts Wednesday. Tampa Bay has not released any of their starters yet, but you know they have a pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good little rotation there with David Price, Matt Garza. You know they'll be fine pitching wise. I think they'll be fine. Tampa is only two years removed from their trip to the World Series, which they lost to the Phillies, but they have a lot of the same players still on board, and they will have an experience or an advantage in this first series. They led MLB in stolen bases this year with 171. They'll be running a lot. Um, Texas will open with Cliff Lee on the mound. Tampa Bay beat him all three times they faced him this year, so you know not the best news if you're Texas. But I think Tampa Bay gets through this series pretty easily. And the last series is the Yankees-Twins. This starts Wednesday. Uh, CC Sabathio for New York against Francisco Liriano. This is a tough series to think about. The Twins have been on such a slide near the end of the year. They're 41-40 and 40 on the road this year, and Yankee Stadium is never an easy place to play. You know that place will just be packed and loud. So I worry for the Twins. I don't think they really have much of a shot in this series. Um, the pro- the only thing they might have, New York has Sabathia, Pettit, you know, Burnett. They have good starters. They have Mariana Rivera, the probably still one of the best closers in the game. But they have really, really weak bullpen. Like, what do you throw at? If any of these guys comes out early, any of the starters, you know, can't make a good quality start, I think they're in trouble because... You know, they have Jabba Chamberlain, but you'd never really know with him. He'll come out, be great one day, and just be terrible the next. So I'm 
I'm worried about New York's bullpen, and I think that might hurt them. In the playoffs, I don't think it'll hurt them in this first series. I think they will beat the Twins. That all starts this week. A lot of sports this week with the NBA starting, MLB playoffs, NHL starting. Exciting, exciting week if you are a sports fan. But now, last but not least, I want to talk about some fans. So a couple stories this week that really brought this up for me. And I really want to talk about why some teams just have great fans and how some are just awful. Uh, last week we talked a lot about the terrible refing in the Montreal-Winnipeg game in the CFL. And, you know, I, I don't think you can really argue that, you know, the CFL admitted they made some mistakes now. But uh, a lot of Bomber players were very outspoken in their criticism and they did receive fines. Um, Paul LaFelice got a $1,000 fine, as well as Philip Hunt, Bobby Kahn, and Javon Johnson all got $500 fines. The, this is what I find great about the city of Winnipeg and why I love this place. A lot of people are writing into the Winnipeg Free Press, which is the local newspaper in Winnipeg, and asking you know, if they could donate. They were so mad. They wanted to donate to this this. Uh, fines because they were just as mad as the players they thought you know well deserved good for you guys for standing up saying something so the winnipeg free press set up a fund and through donations from just winnipeg blue bomber fans they're already at 2168 dollars the fines only get up to 2500 so we've raised just under 300 bucks shy of their goal and of all their fines um, Philip Hunt was asked about this fund, and he said, Here in Winnipeg, I see where everybody likes to stick together. If you mess with one person in the Winnipeg family, I guess you're messing with everybody. That just goes to show we have a great group of fans and followers that back us well. You know, like Philip Hunt says, this is unbelievable. I'm sure this has happened before, but I have never heard of fans giving money to players to pay fines. Bomber fans, you may not... They, they can be criticized sometimes for, you know, giving up on a team that's losing. But when you see something like this, it's got to make players feel great. It makes me as a fan just feel fantastic about my team and our whole community here. So I really want to give huge props to the city of Winnipeg, especially those people that are helping, helping these players pay their fines. That's unbelievable. But then on the other side, there's a couple examples this weekend of terrible fans. I'm going to go to Toronto first, which, you know, people who don't watch a lot of CFL, you won't notice this, because Toronto, you know, Blue Jays have pretty good fans. Leafs, of course, have unreal fans, and Raptors get pretty good fans. But the CFL's Toronto Argonauts have by far the worst fans in the league. It is terrible. I know it's a big stadium, you know, whatever number you put in there usually looks empty, but they are the quietest fans uh, I was watching the Saskatchewan Toronto game this week, and the Saskatchewan fans, I don't know, maybe they didn't outnumber the Toronto fans. It was pretty close, and they were twice as loud. And that's just embarrassing. Now, I know I have one guy who listens, at least one guy who listens from Toronto, so I want to hear what you think about this. If you're know, if you disagreeing with me, you say you, the Argos have good fans, I want to hear. Let me know what you think out there. But 
it's awful. You know, you got to support a team that's going to the playoffs. You know, that's almost that's pretty much a conclusion. They're probably going to the playoffs as long as they get a few more wins under their belt this year. But I would say they're going to the playoffs for sure. I'm stunned how they can't, you know, at least have a huge, huge fan base. You know, they won the Grey Cup, what was it, three, four years ago now? And they just don't bring out the fans. And it's it's hard to see. It must be hard to play at in front of as a player. Like, you want to have your home crowd backing you. You shouldn't be able to hear the other crowd more than yours at your home barn. You think that's bad. How about the Tampa Bay Devil Rays? A team that is going to playoffs. They won the AL East. On the day they clinched, they only had 12,000 fans in the ballpark. That is so little for an MLB game. It's unbelievable. A couple Tampa Bay players came out uh, in Twitter, on Twitter and in the media, you know, blasting the fans. How could you knock them out for a day your team could clinch? <laughs> You'll have to see if in playoffs if they come out. You know, there could be a pretty, pretty big loss of home field advantage. It's sad. Like they're a good team and they've been a good team for a few years. How they can't draw big crowds for their game Sunday, their last game of the year, they gave away twenty thousand tickets. Twenty thousand tickets are being given away for that game, and that's just embarrassing. Like. I understand you want to give away tickets, and I've all teams have given away tickets in the past, but 20,000 tickets? That's unbelievable. And I think both these cities, Toronto and Tampa Bay, just give your head a shake. You know, it's just awful fans. Um, you know, if there's anyone listening, I don't think I have anyone listening to Tampa Bay, but, you know, Toronto people, let me know what you think. I know, like I said, I know you have good fans for some sports. Why does nobody go watch the Argos, you know? So that's all I really have for you this week. Uh, I'll go to the Monday Nighter. Miami plays New England in the NFL. Uh, hard against head here. I would love to see Miami come out on top, but uh, I think New England is too good. I think Miami's defense is a little overrated. They haven't been as good as people think this year. You know, they shut down the Bills, but they're the Bills. Uh, New York came out last week and scored a ton of points on them. And Miami just has a terribly hard schedule. So I'm going New England here. I was 1-3 going into this week on my Monday Night Picks, but I still am taking New England over Miami. I just don't think Miami has enough weapons to get past New England. New England's such a good team. So that's my pick. That's going to be about the end of the show this week, guys. Uh, don't forget, join the page on Facebook, Totally Random Sports Show. Invite your friends. Get in that as many people as we can listening. Twitter. I've had, got a ton of Twitter followers now. Thanks, guys. Uh, Oil Canton on Twitter. And, you know, stay tuned every Monday. I'll have another show for you next week talking about the start of the NHL. So, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Bye, guys. Forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play